Alaska man tried to open a bank account with a fake $1 million bill. The bank turned him down, but he got a stripper to give him 3,000 dances. <laughs> <laughs> David Spade knows his way around a stripper, from uh, what I understand from his stand-up. And oh, boy. Him uh, taking a shot at the intelligence of strippers, I'm guessing is based on some of his life experience. That'd just be my guess. Well, it seems uncharitable to me. Hey, this topic continues. It came up earlier in the week, and we're still getting uh, correspondence about it. Should you tell a loved one they're overweight? Since there's so many bad health things that can happen. Um, we got this text. My grandmother, who passed years ago, went to the same doctor for years because that doctor never said anything about her being overweight, which she really was. I purposely chose my primary care provider because, according to his online reviews, he was a bit of a jerk. And while he never said I'm fat, he talks about my weight directly. He did say you're stupid. <laughs> uh, I need a second opinion. And you're stupid, too. Um, <laughs> that's one of the great Rodney Dangerfield jokes. Yes. <laughs> Doctor told me I was overweight. I said, I need a second opinion. <laughs> uh, um. Uh, I picked a guy who is a jerk, and while he doesn't say I'm fat, he talks about my weight directly, and I dread going to see him for a checkup if I haven't lost weight. That's an interesting one. Accountability. That's why a diet buddy is such a good idea. Do you want your doctor to tell you you're overweight? A lot of doctors don't because you get bad reviews. Right, which is crazy. Yeah, a lot of us are comfortable with disappointing ourselves. We've made a career of it. Uh, but you don't want to disappoint your buddy or your spouse or, or whomever. Um, that you're you're dieting with. So yeah, I could see a doctor being that accountability person. I uh, I got to admit, if my weight is up, I look forward to seeing my guy less because I know it'll come up in reference to my blood pressure. That reminded me of the other joke that's Rodney Dangerfield like threesome. If I wanted to see two disappointed people, I'd go to dinner with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney, not in the mood for a thruple. <laughs> a thruple. Fabulous. So, listen, this um, this judge who the ABA made cry, and Democrats, the American Bar Association said he's arrogant, lazy, and ideologue, and lacking in knowledge of the day-to-day practice, all sorts of things, except they're a far-left advocacy organization. I would have said, yeah, but still. Yeah, and the ABA's report... Um, uh, one of the Democrat senators who was attacking him said that it, you would not say affirmatively, uh, well, I'll just read. The ABA's report said he would not say affirm, affirmatively that he would be fair to any litigant before him, notably members of the LGBTQ community. Asked if that's correct, the nominee struggled for almost 15 seconds to find his words, and tears came from his eyes. I did not say that, he said. He apologized to his listeners as he halted again. Apparently, you're too overcome to speak. It is a fundamental belief of mine that all people are created in the image of God, and they should all be treated with dignity and respect, he said, his eyes still glistening. The bitter, bitter accusation that he was a hater who could not judge people fairly was that in 2004, he wrote an editorial in favor of the traditional interpretation of marriage. In 2004, four years before Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton both said that they were in favor of uh, a straight marriage only. 
And that while as Solicitor General in Nevada, he supported a same-sex marriage ban law or a traditional marriage law as the state's lawyer when that was the law, and that's his job to do that. So that was his great sin that the ABA and, and Diane Feinstein tried to tar him with, that he was an awful person who couldn't be a judge. In 04, he thought marriage should be between a man and a woman. That's politics, folks. Yeah. That is politics, man. And he also made clear that his personal views have changed since 2004, like many people have. And all these senators, fairly damning, Senator Chris Coons said. Some pretty darn serious concerns, said Sheldon Whitehouse. Unbelievable. So phony. Made the poor guy cry. A little emotional, if you ask me. I don't know if he if he's got the stomach for it. That yeah, I uh, yeah, I actually thought that too. He's like he's... a little baby. No, Mr. President, that's your nominee. <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta stand up against that and not fall apart. But uh... perhaps Jack, his gentle gentle response was the perfect response. Could be. He drew the meanies out and made them look like what they are. That reminds meanies. me of Trump continuing to call that phone call with the Ukrainian president a perfect phone call? Oh, yes. I saw something the other day. The only perfect phone call is a text. I agree. That is the perfect phone call. (laughs) Um, Coming up, we should get to this. The 2010s broke our sense of time. Yes, please. I find this intriguing. The rhythms of American life changed in the 2010s. How everything from TV to Trump to Instagram messed with your head just enough that time feels like it has melted, which it does. It does feel that way. Do tell. And it's making us all crazy. Yep. And I wonder if there's any fixing it. Probably not. So that's coming up in a little bit. Um, uh, is there a popular game? I'm, I'm a little concerned I'm so out of touch with pop culture mm-hmm. that I'll see a bunch of kids tonight, and I won't even know what they are. Mm. Like, is there a popular Game of Thrones character or anything that I'll see young people uh, I mean, costume-wise, you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, if well, game, the kids should not be watching the Game of Thrones. No. So that shouldn't happen, okay. Unless you like your kids watching fornicating and horrific violence. So there'll be so probably lots of superheroes. And I think it, I'm up on all vo- those people. Sure. Characters from the Game of Fortnite would be the thing that you have oh. no idea what it is, but they're, they're that, and they're doing little dance jigs and stuff, and... Yeah, that, would that's they probably... be like knights in shining armor, or bears, or spacemen? I don't know, no, I don't know anything about it. It's weird because they mostly touch on other pop cultural things, right? So I can, I can in my game, I can make my character kind of look vaguely like an Avenger, right? So okay. it'll be like kind of two steps removed from another pop culture thing, but you won't quite get the connection. That'd be my guess of of the most obvious blind spot from. I would just smile parents. and wave to the parents and put candy in her bag. Ask them if they play fork knife. <laughs> so my school kids school did not outlaw halloween costumes at school like so many schools have idiots in the least fun era to be alive Aaron talking yesterday about all the problems in schools so you got all these disciplinary problems and all these different ways they're trying to deal with it how can that all be going on at the same time i mean we used to have everybody dressed up in costumes all my grade school years mm-hmm. you could wear a costume to school sure. and things were fine yeah Except for the murders. Now you're now you're eliminating all this crap, and things are worse. Right. So I don't I don't see how you figure you're doing any good. But anyway, my kids' school they did allow costumes as long as you didn't wear the mask. There was no any face painting, no accessory, and nothing could be scary. Other than that, feel free to wear your Halloween costume. <sighs> and obviously, that covers like ninety five percent of anything anybody's going to wear. And uh, so most kids are saying, "Ah, the heck with I'm, it." I'm uh, so. dressed as a slightly different kid. 
<sighs> no, nothing could be torn, of course. So my son had a Nothing could be torn. Yeah, yeah. Was that brought to you by the Garment Workers Union? Because you what? could trip or fall. Oh, for the love you of God. You can't have anything that's got fake hair on it because somebody could be allergic to it or something? Come on in, China. <laughs> We're good and soft. It's, it's something. We are self-obsessed. We're weak. We're, we're, we're stupid. Come on in, China. Yeah. Um, how the 2010s ruined our sense of time. Coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. How old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen? Yeah. Yeah. You look more like sixteen or maybe no, even seventeen. No, no, thirteen. You're thirteen? Yeah. Where's your, where's your costumes? I'm being my sister. You're being your this sister? This is my yeah. teacher. You're a teacher, uh-huh. yeah. So can we get Boy, some candy, like Grandpa? Yeah, not. Like, can we class. have our candy? I don't think so. Are you kidding? It's no. Halloween. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you're entitled to just go around to people's homes and build them out of candy. <laughs> Larry David. Oh, that's so good. So good. <laughs> I'm my sister. <laughs> and somehow I ended up on YouTube of him accepting the uh, Writers Guild Award or something like that. Some mm-hmm. big award for writers. Uh, Lifetime Achievement Award that he got the other day. And how would you not get it? You wrote Seidfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. Um, but his his monologue was really well funny, of course, but just interesting. He said, the fact that Seinfeld was the pain of my weird, miserable life. And I just wrote it more or less the way it actually happened and became a giant hit. And people laughed at it is endlessly interesting to me. I mean, yeah, and it would be. Wow. He was he was unsuccessful for a very long time. I mean, well into adulthood. Yeah. Was he not successful? Yeah. Until the Jerry, who he was friends with, said, do you want to write, try writing a show with me? And he also said, he said, I know I'm at this writer's thing, and people treat writers a certain way, and, oh, we're writers, we're a special kind of piece. I hate writing. I hate everything about writing. Every time I feel like i got to do it, I get a headache. I hate everything about writing. It makes me miserable. Wow. I find it painful. I don't wow. enjoy anything about it. That's great. I know. I just thought that was so interesting. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah, just uncomfortable situations and his bad attitude toward the world. You know, I was going to be a writer until I discovered that you could sell your rough drafts on the radio, in essence. Hey, now! Um, but yeah, it's funny. I, I still feel really drawn to do it, and I'm still repulsed by it, so it's funny to hear him say that. Yeah. Huh. Uh, you got to want to do that. Yes. you got to be like driven to write all the time. Right. And I'm not. No. Not at all. Hey, you should write about that. No. I don't want to. be a good place to start. No. But you should. Um... The 2010s broke our sense of time. I really like the idea of this very, very long article, which I've read about half of. Yeah. It's very complicated and very thick, so I'm going to try to summarize it um, kind of in a couple of ideas of the different ways. Okay. The, the 2010s being 2010 till now. Yeah. And the the person writing the article, I probably ought to give them credit because it's a pretty interesting philosophy. Catherine Miller, BuzzFeed News reporter. Mm. Um. 2010s, uh, we're wrapping, we're a couple of months away from, we're wrapping up a decade, right? 10 through 19. Sure. We're people done. like round numbers. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time I've ever heard anybody refer to them as the 2010s, I think. But, uh, me too. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes perfectly good sense. But while the smartphone came out in what, 2007, all of the stuff around the smartphone gotten going, you know, around 2010. And, 
and so much of the stuff that we do on the smartphone, your your social media and all that sort of stuff. So that plays a role in how it, it uh, broke our sense of time and melted our ability to, to like feel rhythms. Um, uh, constantly seeing pictures from high school and college or maybe th- this and just uh, throwback Thursday and just the rhythm of the way these things would come into our lives was different than it ever had been before. Okay. And there's no doubt that that's true. Sure. And then how the TV season got broken. There was a rhythm to the TV season that I felt acutely as a fan of television. Mm-hmm. You knew in the fall the new shows started and they lasted about this long and then in the spring sometime they all ended and they were on a specific night and we all watched and there was just a rhythm to this. It, and it, there it, was downtime too. Yeah, not a, it was there was a rhythm which we like rhythms as as human beings mm-hmm, of course. as beasts and then and it was slower. So it just felt slower and then we all kind of knew we we're all kind of going along with this. The next episode's on Thursday night it's 8 and then I'll watch it and then we will discuss it. And then this is where it will end and then we'll take a break and then it will start again. All that got blown up and went away. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole bunch of different examples of that happening with the way music comes into our lives now, uh, the way we share information, the way it, the, the 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 news cycle, um, uh, breaking the cycle of just the day that that had been dead for quite a while, but of maybe you watch one of these morning shows, then you kind of don't take in any news all day long, then you sit down and watch the evening news, mm-hmm. then you watch that TV show we were talking about, and the the, the daily newspaper. All these rhythm things are just gone. Everything just comes at you every day, a hundred miles an hour. All of your past shows up in your social media feed. All of the news, all the time, all the TV shows and movies are all available right now coming at you. Right. And how it's, uh, it's, it's, and it's led us to this thing. And we say this all the time when we're playing clips of the week on Friday. That was this week. I thought that was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's not just an experience of, you know, radio talk show hosts, according to this writer, that her and her friends, that's the way everybody feels about everything. When did that happen? I can't even fit that into my life of when these various events happen. Yeah. We've thrown off our rhythm somehow. Well, from the biological, I mean, obviously we all have rhythms, circadian rhythms, our heart beats, the rest of it. There is a proper amount of time for things, and and again, rhythm of things, to all the great philosophies, religion, to everything, uh, there is a season. No, if you're a fan no, of the birds, no, turn, turn, no, turn. Not anymore. Everything, everything all the time. Everything now. To quote the eagles and the birds in a single paragraph. Yeah. Very Any good. other Southern California bands <laughs> wanting on this? Flying Burrito Brothers, you got anything for me? Um. So, uh, yeah. Well, but yeah, I think that's undeniably true. Another point that they highlighted was when uh, our common news feeds, your Twitter and your Facebooks, when they pivoted from a purely chronological feed mm-hmm. to an algorithm that says, hey, you are probably asleep here. Let, let me bump these up in your timeline, even though they happened 18 hours ago. But now I'm, I'm getting them mixed in with my things that happened five minutes ago. Right. Messing with, your, with our, our newly adapted sense of how we process time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, I see that in my YouTube feed in that. So I don't if I if I'm interested in something and YouTube, uh, you know, figures out what I'm interested in and keeps track of it. I don't just hear, hey, here's a new wrinkle in that kind of story I'm interested in. I get all the wrinkles that have happened ever thrown at me every single day. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you get well, you get overwhelmed by it. Yeah, it, that's no. why that's got to be why it all seems so overwhelming. I kind of don't watch TV because there's just. There's just so much of it, and I hear so much about all the shows, and they're all so great, and everybody tells me they're all so great, and they're all there, and I can watch every episode right now, but I'm not, I just, I just, ah! Yeah. I just kind of recoil from it. 
Well, there are a lot of a lot of parts of modern life that remind me of the spoiled rich kid syndrome, where if you have uh, every toy, no toy yep. is special. Yep. I remember when it first became possible that is to absolutely right. I see that with my own kids. Yeah, yeah. When it first became possible to buy a VHS videotape of, say, uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed yep. Reindeer. Good example. Uh, I thought, wow, great! Now we can watch it whenever we wanted. But it lost its specialness. Mm-hmm. We used to look forward to that like Christmas itself as kids. That's joy. Now, we have availability, and we have pleasure of watching it, but there isn't as much joy um, because we have everything all the time. You know, on the anxiety, depression, suicide stuff, we've talked a lot about a lot of the different things that we think are causing that, and I think they're all right, but there might be something to this rhythm thing that we, psychologists, whoever, just haven't even picked up on yet. We've just kind of broken the way we've lived lives forever. I guarantee you that's part of it. Sure. Yep. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the House has passed that impeachment inquiry vote. Republicans are crying foul. You've got Senator Kamala Harris' campaign hitting some rough spots. Really? In what way? And my <laughs> friends, go ahead, drop an F-bomb while you're exercising. We'll tell you why. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That's next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> bet on the World Series, you bet on the Nationals and won. I would have never bet money on the Nationals. And that's why it turned out to be such a great deal. Sure. Yep. Financial investment like that paid off handsomely. There's his amb- being science by the silenced by the corporate media. Yes, you were. And my failure to turn on my microphone. There you go. Um, would you say your philosophy of investing is uh, smallish amounts for long shots or yes. longer shots? Yes. Okay. Yes, indeed. All right. And it uh, works out. You know, sometimes it works out great. Other times it just fizzles. But and, right. when and you're making a small investment, it doesn't hurt as much if you lose. Sure. Good point. Yeah. Um, and then you bought us all uh, something to eat, which is nice of you to do. You certainly don't need to do that when you bet. But and you, you bought me a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. But because I... Um, it's America's doing, favorite thruple. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm doing intermittent fasting. I haven't eaten it yet. I will oh. later. And I like mayonnaise to cure. I like it to. Okay. I like to sit oh. at room temperature and. Oh, boy. oh God! Mm. Leave it out in the sun. Get a Grr. get a crust on it. <laughs> yeah. Let's get the news now, oh. Marshall Phillips. Well, a possible impeachment of President Trump gaining momentum in the U.S. House. The House went ahead and passed a Democratic resolution, which will move the impeachment process into a new phase, including public hearings. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announcing the final vote, 232 to 196. Pelosi saying of the process... It's a sad day because nobody comes to Congress to impeach a president of the United States. No one. Except you did. And all of your colleagues did. And you know how you can tell? Because you call it that. You call it an impeachment investigation. Shouldn't you just say it's an investigation? But no, it's a publicity stunt to act like you're impeaching. And maybe they will. I keep hearing they probably will. But when you're investigating it, you don't call it a prosecution investigation. It's just an investigation. Republicans like House Speaker Leader Kevin McCarthy condemning the Democrats' efforts to move ahead on this impeachment inquiry. For 37 days and counting, they have run an unprecedented, undemocratic, and unfair investigation. Unprecedented? Well, he was close. All right, we also had Jim Jordan talking about it. Trying to put a ribbon on a sham process doesn't make it any less of a sham. 
Never forget how this whole thing started. Democrats are trying to impeach the President of the United States 13 months before an election based on an anonymous whistleblower with no first-hand knowledge, who has a bias against the President, who worked with Senator, or excuse me, Vice President Biden the day after the now famous phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky. The so-called whistleblower gets a readout from somebody on that call, writes a memo. In the memo, he uses terms like, this call was scary, frightening. But what does he do? Waits 18 days before he files a complaint. Jim Jordan on fire there. I'll tell you, of those two people, and one of them is the uh, you know next in line to be Speaker of the House right. if the Republicans ever take it back. Is it the one who speaks really well? If I need somebody to argue on me, my behalf about anything, to the boss about why I did this or anything. I mean, there's no question I take Jim Jordan over Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So why is, and, and it's right there in the name, Speaker of the House. Yeah, and he can't. So why wouldn't a guy like Jim Jordan be the guy who's going to speak for your uh, your causes as opposed to Kevin McCarthy? It's all about fundraising. Fundraising and organizing. Yep. yep. The resolution guidelines, by the way, mean that televised hearings will be highlighting the next phase of the House impeachment process. Trump administration officials who've been deposed in private will be asked to testify publicly before the House Intelligence Committee. As always, I have no idea how any of this is going to turn out. I haven't got the slightest idea. Well, she looks like she's in trouble. California Senator Kamala Harris is transferring staff from several early voting states to Iowa as she tries to revive her sagging presidential campaign. Kamala, ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. And it, uh, at the very beginning, if I had had to put money on a candidate... Yep. I did. I very well might have put it on her before even the end of debates. I, I did. The, the way she sh- she showed herself to be good at arguing for her side and all those different hearings over the first couple of years of her senatorial career were right. really impressive. Yeah. It's interesting how somebody can be, you know, that deep with the good stuff. You get, you get her on a bigger stage and yep. she has to go on longer and it's just, what are you talking about? Right. It's like the dude. We all know this dude. You see him playing a song on the guitar. Really impressive. Dude really is a player. Then it turns out, no, that's the only thing he can play. <laughs> that's it. I had a friend who could do that with yeah. the piano. He could play one Billy Joel song. Yeah. Really well. And right. he'd sit down at a piano and thought, oh, and people would come gather on. No, no, I just don't feel like it. <laughs> and he couldn't play anything else. <laughs> I want to do that with the Peanuts theme. I just want to be able to sit down at any piano and just bang that out perfectly. It'd be a good, a good choice. Getting a handle on it, the Kincaid fire that's burning in Northern California's wine country that forced the evacuation of almost 200,000 people is now 60% contained. It has not increased in size since Wednesday. Now, I know you're gearing up to get out to the gym today, so this <laughs> advice for you, go ahead and drop an F-bomb while you're at the gym. It turns out it'll improve your workout. If you're going to make a list of things I'm likely to do today... <laughs> Researchers and come up with some crazy, pretty crazy examples that would would place higher than at the gym. Researchers in and speaking as a guy who stayed up quite late and yes. and enjoyed a a glass or two with a good friend watching Game Seven of the World Series, I, I'm as likely to engineer a daring jewel heist as I am. Go to the gym. Let me know if you need a wheel man. (laughs) I always need a wheel man. Well, English researchers say swearing supports your stress response. The flush of adrenaline boosts your heart rate and your oxygen intake. Swearing was also found to help the body combat pain. Yeah. I say That's right, Arnold. (laughs) My kids were really, uh, my youngest particularly, was uh, really telling me about when I got home yesterday how mom really was cussing. 
Oh, boy. When the electricity went back out again. Oh, boy. Yesterday. And she thought she was outside of there. She'd gone outside and was down trying to get our electric gate to open with no electricity. Oh, boy. And uh, she thought that he couldn't hear her, but apparently he could. But she said said that she just needed to. She said, I just needed to scream these things. Yes. It helps with pain. That's good. And in the world of... You blanket blankers! (laughs) And in the world of sport, the Nationals pull off a historic World Series win last night with great pitching and hot bats. Swing a line drive, slice down the right field line toward the corner. Springer back, looking up, and this one is gone! It hits the foul pole, and the Nationals lead! Howie Kendrick has done it again! There you go. Nationals taking the Astros 6-2 to two in Game 7 in Houston. And Sean, your brave stance, read the foul pole. Uh, if it hits the foul pole and it's not foul, then that's not a foul pole. That's a fair pole. It's a fair pole. Everybody knows that. Somebody hit us with this text, obviously a San Diego State fan, that the MVP of the World Series was a San Diego State alum, as was the MVP of the NBA Finals. A San Diego State alum. It's never happened before. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Steven Strasburg, MVP. Yes, indeed. Everything's coming up Aztecs, huh? Is it Aztecs? (laughs) Go Aztecs! Okay. All right. That's your news. Fan in the building there. (laughs) That's your news. (laughs) Do you call security? What do we do now? I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Now, a little earlier, I demanded a drunken Nationals fans talking about how happy they are. Let's see if we can get to that. We also... Really ought to reset the latest member of the Armstrong oh, yeah. and Getty oh, yeah. Colorful Hick oh, Hall of yeah. Fame. Yep. We got to do that yeah. coming up next. Talk um, about MVPs. We got one more comment on the rhythms of life changing in the 2010s, and this one's actually in the article, and I didn't get to it. I forgot this one. And this is a clear example of the rhythms of life changing. When the pager hit, it started it. But when it was oh. emails and cell phones, when you never stop being available to your coworkers right. or your spouses your or your kids or your right. parents, for that matter, right? it just never ends. Constant communication with everybody, that's a different rhythm. Wow. My dad came home. He was done. That's Saturday, funny. I'm done. Right. There's, it's an impossibility your Monday. boss is going to show up at your door, right. call you on a, the phone on a Saturday and say, hey, what... What happened with that report? That never happened. You know, it's funny. I, I see through metaphors and pictures and stuff like that. It's just the way I understand the world. And I'm picturing, like, you know, you have a series of... Uh, Joe you know, can't write, so as everything is being pictures like well, and, uh, pre-writing man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cave paintings. I'm big on that. If he's, if he's hungry, he writes on the wall in the kitchen like a buffalo and somebody chasing him. What is that, a buffalo? No, no, it's a cow. Looks like a buffalo. No, but it, it's like you have... Well, I don't know. It's a strange picture, but it's as if everybody is on the phone with you all the time and you never know when they're going to start speaking. You are always connected to everyone. And they might say, hey, at any moment. It's, I think it's frightening. And it's we don't. And for, startling. And for some reason, word. we don't have the ability to not do it. Because a lot of this is voluntary. The work stuff, not as much. But yeah. all the other stuff, taking in all the news and all the social media, that's all voluntary. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it more and more, though. I mean, this is not. What is, is not inevitable. What it surrounds you is not what you must take in. You don't need to eat crap, fast food crap, and pre prepared stuff in the grocery store. 
It's delicious, but you don't have to eat it. You don't have to take in the social media and the crap. You don't have to answer the emails. You don't even have to look at the damn emails, depending on your job and the expectations. I get it. Some of you work for jerks. Um, we, I think you we certainly a, don't have to take in all the news. Right. I think we as a species in the same way that, you know, the, the glaciers melted so the polar bears came into the vi- village and we quickly realized, okay, we need uh, some sort of defense against these giant creatures. I think we've just been confronted by a new menace, and we better adapt as a human being, as mm. a uh, as a creature. Good one. Yeah, I'm so, trying. I don't know about y'all. So we got uh, what do we call it again? You said it's colorful a- hick theater. <laughs> yes, an Armstrong and Getty <laughs> classic. And listen, I don't oversell. Hallmark honesty is my hallmark. Hallmark is my honesty. I really ought to go to bed on time. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to oversell this, but this is a Hall of Famer. Awesome. That's next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I tucked that bed and hit him upside a pie He said, oh! He was in his rolls. He didn't have no shoes on, no shirt, or nothing. A burglar and his boxers picked the wrong person to mess with. 65-year-old Clarice Ganey did not care that the man outside her apartment weighed around 300 pounds. Ganey says he was pulling on the door handle of her car and trying to break in. So she grabbed her bat, went outside, and hit him in the head with it. When police found Antonio Mosley, they said he had cocaine in his pocket and some bumps on his head. They took him back to Ganey to identify. I said, that's him right there. They said, Miss Ganey, he got a big nut on his head. He better be glad I didn't have a gun, because I would have shot him. But this is my gun right here, because I'm going to <laughs> I'm sorry. Mosley is facing charges of burglary and drug possession. Paya, paya, paya. And what was that part before that? The hey, hey, hey. I tucked up bed and hit him upside a paya. He's If he better be glad I didn't have a gun, cause I would have shot him. But this is my gun right here, cause I'm going paya. <laughs> wow. Have you seen her yet? What she look like? Wow. I have not. I'm picturing a skinny little old lady. So he was in his underwear and 300 pounds. Yeah, all coked up or or about to be and looking to steal from her. She grabbed her bat and said, that's not happening today. Well, that's not precisely what she said. I mean, But this is my gun right here. Man, she's an older gal. Yeah. I mean, really on in years, I think. No offense, ma'am. Did he not see her coming? I'm glad it turned out the way it turned out. Obviously could have. Sporting a good old-fashioned aluminum bat. Oh, she's illustrating how it happened. He said, oh! She's got, a, he's she's got <laughs> a pretty good stance with that bat. Houston could use that last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Solid hand placement. Looks like you got a good grip on it. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She got. She, she's a woman who is... Uh, she's done some work in her life, too. Yeah. I'll bet she could get some good bat speed going. And, and paya, paya. Paya! Paya! Now, is that a regional dialect for <laughs> Kapuya Kapuya? <laughs> God, I love her. Kapuya Kapuya Paya! Now, I will wow. be. 
I will be walking the streets of this great nation with my children tonight, uh, going door to door to get candy. Yeah, <clears throat> bring a bat. Um, you don't have children. Will you be going to a Halloween party? You don't have kids Halloween age. Will you be going to a party? You used to go to a Halloween party sometimes, even wear a costume. No. Because nope. it's, it's one of Nothing. the biggest, it's the second biggest drinking holiday of the year behind New Year's Eve. Mm. Um, so a lot of people have parties and a drink. They got this graph in the USA Today. People who say they've left a party without saying goodbye to the host. <laughs> Please, it's the Irish goodnight. I've recently adopted doing this, and my life has forever changed. <laughs> recently adopted? I don't yeah. know if I've ever said goodbye to a host. Oh, well. I'm just slipping out the door. Grown-up gatherings. It's kind of uh, like grown-up, grown-up gatherings. <clears throat> I haven't been to a grown-up gathering in 15 years. Yeah, probably. yeah, it's kind of bad for him to just <laughs> slip out. <laughs> but if it's just a giant house full of people and nobody knows if you're there or not. Right. Yeah, I get credit for being there hours beyond when I left if well, I just slip out. Exactly. And and the next day, follow-up text. Hey, great time. Thanks a million. Perfect. Uh, anyway, uh, about half of Americans admit to such a feat. About two-thirds of Gen Zs. So the younger crowd. Of course, they're going to younger crowd sort of parties. Well, part of it, you go into those kind of parties, it's not easy to find the host, even if you want to, the host, the guy who <laughs> bought the keg, or the person whose kitchen we're befouling. Right. I mean, you can't find him that easy anyway. So. Right. He's in the bushes with vomit all over himself. Well, then there's probably no point in telling him goodbye. We haven't seen him since the King's Cup game ended. <laughs> I believe him to be fornicating with a recently made acquaintance. Those who say they'd never commit such a ghastly faux pas. Uh, six, Are those who would say ghastly faux pas. 60% of men over 45, 75% of women over 45. So Yeah, I guess you get older and the parties get a different tenor to them. Why, I would never. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, if I, if I, Again, I haven't been to a party in a, easily a decade, and with any luck, I may never get in my life. <laughs> it's possible. My, my dying breath might be, God, I've had 40 years without ever going to a party. But yeah, if you're there with like a half dozen couples, you can't just disappear, I suppose. Right. Watch me. <laughs> you know, how funny would that be? They just took, just your hosts and you. They invite you over for a nice glass of wine, maybe some, yeah. uh, some munchies or something, and they say, you know what? I think the ham is just about done. Excuse us. <laughs> you just <laughs> leave. Boom, toodaloo, out the door. <laughs> Bye. Final thoughts with A-N-G. Yeah. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Michael, I realize you're already way ahead of me, but yeah, keep that laugh around. That's just fantastic. <laughs> Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew, huh? Marshall Phillips, our esteemed newsman. Well, I got to tell you, I go to parties I sleep over. It's part of my party contract. (laughs) Exactly. I will be on your floor in the morning, just letting you know right now. (laughs) I am no DUI guy. Uber, schmoober, get off the couch. I'm moving in. Michelangelo pressing the buttons in the control room. Final thought. Yep, I'm all ready for Halloween tonight. I've got the three musketeers, the black licorice, and the sugarless gum ready to go. And one lucky trick-or-treater will get a refurbished electric toothbrush. There you go. <laughs> See you tonight, kids. <laughs> uh, producer Positive Sean. Yes, being the uh, the singleless, childless person that I am, I'll be spending this Halloween evening with the shutters drawn and the lights out. Yes. I don't expect any sort of interruptions. It's going to be great. <laughs> Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Um, is anybody on the staff going to the company Halloween party today? That's today? It's, it's today, yeah. And there oh, are co-workers right. out there. I saw a couple of young ladies dressed as cats. 
There are uh, there are people in costumes. I've got my night hoodie today. I could probably slide you in. You could show up. You absolutely yeah, could. That's close to the I've got to stay away costume. from the bite-sized candy hanging around my house tonight after the kids go away. There's bite-sized candy over there. There's so much they won't even miss it. How do I keep from eating it? That's my mission. My final thought is I enjoyed the heck out of the World Series. I watched uh, most of every game. Uh, but as a middle child, I bring people together, and it kind of makes me sad that every single night of it, 90% of the crowd went home sad. Right. There was no triumph ever. There's no people pouring out into the streets high-fiving at all. Even as a kid, I didn't like it when the visiting team, even if I didn't care, won. Right. Because it's so less fun for the fans and the players. Every game ended with 50,000 people murmuring angrily. <laughs> I told you we shouldn't have come. What happened? Spent $400 on these effing tickets? <laughs> Going to be tired at work tomorrow? Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. God bless America. This concludes this year's Halloween show. We hope you had as much fun watching our show as the Koreans did animating it. But there's one group for whom every day is Halloween. I'm talking about adult illiterates. For them, trying to read the morning newspaper is more terrifying than any goblin, ghoul, spook, or spirit. Armstrong and Getty.